0: BG Mania, a video game music podcast for August 12th, 2020, is presented by leveldowngames.com. On with the show. You're listening to Symphony of the Void from Divinity Original Sin 2, originally released on September 14th, 2017, composed by Borislav Slavov. to bg mania a weekly and soon to be twice weekly hey we got another update on the pc they said it's uh been assembled and sent to quality assurance so i feel like we're getting even closer so soon to be twice weekly video game music podcast brought to you by leveldowngames.com as always i'm brian and if you're new around here we welcome you again like we did last week to the digivolution of bg mania What we like to do here on the show is challenge ourselves to never play the same track more than once. So that way, you'll be guaranteed to hear something new, something fresh, and something exciting each and every week. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five-star rating under review. So we continue to climb those charts in terms of search results. Today on BG Mania, we're exploring the music found within so many different games that are inspired by some tabletop classics. Series like Dungeons & Dragons, Shadowrun, Numenera, Eye of the Beholder, Magic the Gathering. Oh man, so many, so many. Tabletop gaming is definitely a hobby that is very near and dear to my heart. As I've been playing various tabletop RPGs, card games with my, like, you know, my grandma and my family. Uh, and speaking of traditional family board games, for as long as I can physically remember. Whether it be spending time recently with Jessica, the memories I have of my family, like I said, my grandma, my mom, my dad playing card games and stuff, or the one of many long DD or Magic the Gathering sessions that I've had throughout my life. It's the perfect content to transcend into the medium of gaming and has done so flawlessly time and time again if you think about it. We look at these fantastic games like Divinity that we heard opening the show, like Baldur's Gate, like Shadowrun that we're going to have in this next block of music here, back on the Super Nintendo. And like I said, it's just been done time and time again. This episode is something that I've been wanting to dive into for quite a while now. And with the format change, what better time than now so I can bring in a very special guest. Someone that I've been gaming with both online and offline for the better part of the last 15 years. Sean from the Level Down Games podcast is going to be joining me here in just a moment to go in-depth with some tabletop gaming discussions, but before we bring him in, let's take a listen to a few more tracks. You're listening to Exploring the Plains from Boulder's Gate, originally released on December 21st, 1998, composed by Michael Honig. listening to 3am on a summer night from shadow run originally released in may of 1993 composed by marshall parker You're listening to Orc March from Torment, Tides of Numenera, originally released on February 28, 2017, composed by Mark Morgan. And we're back and joining me now straight from leveldowngames.com and the new, or I should say newly named Level Down Games podcast.
1: Sean, you are here with me. Hey, what's going on guys? First time listener, long time caller. Dude,
0: you said that I think last time you were here too. I am so glad you are back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually messed, I messed it up on purpose, but yeah, I do that around here. Yeah, I think you uh, may have done
0: something similar, but Sean, it's been like a year and a half since we've had you on BG Mania, and that is way too long. You were last yeah. year on uh volume nineteen for radio hour back on January 30th of last year, and that is Lots just changed. way too long. A lot has changed, yes. A lot has changed around here, and I'm glad you're uh I'm glad you're here to join me for the second week of our new format. And uh, dude, the reception has been very positive, and I'm very excited about that.
1: I like what you've done with the place. I feel like a lot of people have too, so that's good. Yeah, now there's a
0: uh, you know there's room to kick your feet up now. (laughs) Yeah, it's looking good. Smells better in here. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And speaking of smelling better, Sean, one thing that doesn't smell good a lot is you know when you walk into a intense Dungeons and Dragons setting. No, I'm just kidding. You know the the typical nerd stereotype. We don't smell. I got to tell well, you maybe uh, Sean you might smell 17 years ago that that might
1: have rung pretty true man
0: yeah all nighters yeah kind of hung over playing video games and board games and man it was rough times
1: it was it's rough but you think about how far tabletop gaming and role-playing gaming has has come in general when we were doing this back in high school there was no way that a pretty girl was anywhere near this now you go on twitch and critical roles like top two and there's beautiful women playing D D on podcasts and you're wondering what's happening with with your life you know what i mean
0: Where did we go wrong? Type of a thing. We peaked peaked way too soon, buddy. I don't know. (laughs) We were ahead of the curve. (laughs) Yeah, some would say. Something that I've always really just been very into, though, is obviously Dungeons & Dragons. And I know you've played your fair share of D&D in the past as well. And a lot of games that have these like deep RPG roots, a lot of games that we're specifically playing music from today, like Baldur's Gate, like Divinity, all of these different things are somewhat based and grounded in that Dungeons & Dragons setting. It's spawned so many different things that it's quite impressive.
1: You know, the medieval role-playing is is like the, the hallmark of tabletop RPGs, right? You think back to like the magic and the wizards and the dragons and the knights and the, the rogues and the hunters. And, and it's just, that's the easiest place for for someone to go when they play role-playing games. It's just medieval times. And I think it's always going to be that way. There's something fantastic about those roots that you just always want to go back to. I don't know about you, but did you ever like make a bunch of characters with character sheets and then sit there and think, okay, who do I want to be? Oh, yeah. That's, that's Dude, just I so have, funny. I, st- I have
0: so many. Like, I wish I had all my old books and all my old notebooks. I, I don't have access to any of those anymore. But recently, recently, as in like within the last two years, um, the haunted house that I work at every autumn season, there's a group of people that have really always wanted to form like a D&D group. Now, unfortunately, some some shit went down and things went sour. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys have have left over the offseason, so they won't be back this year, so that'll be unfortunate. We never did get to get that uh, D&D group off the ground, but when we were talking about it, I actually made, recently, several sheets uh, in different characters that I could potentially play around with, and it's something that I still have fun doing.
1: Well, you know, something that's funny about that is, nowadays, you can do it online. Like, there's websites for, like, Roll20 and different websites where you can actually build visualizations to go with your dungeons and as long as your dungeon manager as long as your dungeon master is legit and takes the time to design it it's it's really awesome it's more immersive i think but the hard part is when you piss your dungeon master off right and then like the whole game's ruined and, and you just want to know where to go next and you can't that's the hard part about tabletop you know dnd or role-playing games in general is uh you gotta have a tight-knit group of people or else you, you never really reach fruition you know what i mean and I'm glad you
0: actually brought that up. The opening track that we kicked in the episode with happened to come from Divinity Original Sin 2. And that's a game that you and I have talked a lot about playing. I think we both own it, but we've never actually <laughs> jumped into it, even though it's been out for several years now. And uh, I, I think we recently even said that after I get my new PC that, you know, according to, according to I Buy Power, it should be here any day now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: got lost in the mail. It got lost in the mail somewhere. The USPS stuff and the government did you know the issues are real
1: <laughs> dude i have got it ready to go like the the thumbnail is on my desktop and i want to play the icon it. the icon's like an elf ranger like chick with green glowing eyes and every day she looks at me she's like why are you not playing me right now and, and i have no good excuse i have no well, it good a, excuse. it has
0: a built-in dungeon master like gameplay mode And that's something that I definitely want to mess around with. I don't know if that's something that you can do and kind of have like control over computer-based players or if you have to have multiple people playing. I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much, but it's definitely something that I want to kind of mess around with. I thought about it a little bit. This episode, Techie Geek, I know you're listening. This is entirely an episode for you, man. (laughs) I thought about that. Every single game on here, he's going to flip his shit for.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's so funny is I actually, I went back and I listened all the tracks and you know there's there's such a dichotomy of different genres and different things going on within the set list funny enough dude the Dungeons and Dragons tracks that you'll hear on this show today you you wouldn't guess because they're from Sega you know it's just it's funny how the different types of music go with the games, and it, if you take it out of context, sometimes it, you couldn't believe it came from that game. That's what's coo- so cool about this episode. That's coming up in the next block.
0: Uh, Dungeons & Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun. The name of the track is Journey uh, from the Sega Genesis version. Like, some of these tracks, man, they're just they're 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 so good, but a lot of them don't have the traditional feel that you would expect, and that's kind of neat.
1: <laughs> no, I, I love it because it needs to be situational, right? These video games that they're coming from, they can't all sound the same. You can't just have an hour and 45 minutes of someone playing a liar in a pub. It has to have different levels to take you on this journey on this ride and that's that's the coolest part for me is that when you look at games that are inspired by D&D or you know any other type of tabletop game you really have a lot of creative liberty when you create the story and the experience and it takes you on a journey that you weren't expecting because you really just don't want the same thing over and over again it loses its luster. Absolutely man absolutely
0: and I I honestly think that's a good place for us to go ahead and take a listen to the next three tracks on today's episode. Sean and I will be right back after we listen to these. You're listening to track number six from Eye of the Beholder for the Sega CD, originally released on May 4th, 1994, composed by Yuzo Kishiro and Motohiro Kawashima. You're listening to Mulsantir from Neverwinter Nights 2, originally released on October 31st, 2006, composed by Dave Frazier and Neil Goldberg. listening to Journey from Dungeons and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun originally released on July 31st 1992 composed by Paul Mudra, Frank Kolpaki and Dwight Okahara A game that I really want to talk about here, and it probably will be maybe the last time we actually talk about some Dungeons and Dragons, but there's a franchise that is deeply rooted in the d d lore that I am a massive fan of, and I'm talking about Neverwinter Nights. Neverwinter Nights, obviously, the first one being done by Bioware back when they were good, and the second one, <laughs> second one being done by Obsidian. They're still freaking good. <laughs> These two games, man, I honestly feel like have been some of the best representation of Dungeons and Dragons in a video game, and really just an incredibly, you know, special game by itself. These games are incredible. I know you've not played Neverwinter Nights, but I do think it's something that if you ever get the chance to go back and check out, you probably would really enjoy. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we haven't seen the last of it.
1: No, dude, what system did those come out on? PC. Neverwinter Nights 2 came
0: out. Yeah. Neverwinter Nights 2 came out on PC back in 2006. I think it released on Halloween. And then the first one came out a few years prior also on PC. But if I'm not mistaken, last year, toward the end of the year, I think in December, it released a port of the original game released on uh, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch.
1: Okay, all right. I'm actually looking it up right now as we talk. I'm very impressed with the screen caps. Yeah, the first one's accessible easily on current platforms and, of course, PC.
0: But that first one being done by Bioware, I, I think it's, I think you'd really enjoy it. Specifically, you know, being a fan of early bioware games
1: this uh, this reminds me a little bit of everquest in, in terms of graphics and the style and i loved that i thought it was so immersive for its time i mean everquest came out when we were in like what eighth grade or something like that like middle school And long, long time ago, this game kind of captures the essence of that magic. I I, I would say this looks Neverwinter Nights kind of looks like the third or fourth expansion from EQ. And if that's the case, man, I can't believe I missed out on it because it looks it looks phenomenal.
0: Yeah, this is one that's actually surprising to me that you never uh, you never got around to playing because I know you were a big PC guy back in the early days. Back in the early days. (laughs) Neverwinter Nights actually was the first multiplayer online RPG uh, to display graphics.
1: Uh, oh wow! And that and that was on AOL, <laughs> dude. And that is an accomplishment in and of itself, right? From 1991 to 1997. You know, what's so funny about role playing back on AOL is I'm sure this was a trailblazer. I I probably didn't play it because I didn't have a good good enough PC to run it. Yeah. But well, I, the,
0: the one that Bioware did was a single player one, like a uh, you know this this online one is is not Bioware, but that one was probably gotcha. not that good. I never played the online one. Either.
1: No, I, I wish I did, though. Man, that would have yeah, been great. I didn't
0: even... Can you imagine a uh, an MS-DOS online game running on AOL back in 1991? I have to wonder, really, how did that work out? <laughs> Gosh, well, if anyone knows, any
1: listeners of the show, you want to come on in the Discord and
0: tell the us. The original Neverwinter Nights back from 91 to 97. I'd love to uh, I'd love to chat about that. You know, I, I think I got my first PC in 1996 when I was 10 years old, and I did obviously sign up for uh, AOL. Um, But I never played this. I never really played any multiplayer online games until like, man,
1: I don't even know. Early 2000s, maybe. I got to tell you, dude, the the golden age of coming into my life was definitely when I started playing MMORPGs. And EverQuest was just like this eye opening experience. I was on dial up, I think, um, you know, as we all were back then. (laughs) Gosh, that was so rough. I remember the rich kids in my school had cable and I was like, what the heck is cable? And I guess just like that whole era. I can't comment on Neverwinter Nights, but I can definitely comment on the era. There were so many new things coming out that you never saw on like a PlayStation 1 or, you know, even 2 at that time until after PC had introduced it, right? And I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show can tell us all about it. But it just seems like that was the foundation for the next like 15 years of MMOs. I think Warcraft really broke down some barriers that were put in place. Yeah,
0: and Warcraft in itself being a series that, you know, draws a lot of inspiration inspiration and elements from some of these tabletop games that we're talking about and playing music from today. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, and like, You know, what's, you could
0: definitely see some similarities.
1: This is like the golden this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode when we were talking about like the gold standard. These Neverwinter Nights songs gold standard. So good. For man. RPGs man. Just can't be. So freaking good. You and I chatted
0: a little bit before we started recording and it is something that I want to talk about here. A different aspect of tabletop games you and I both have a lot of experience in card-based tabletop games like Magic the Gathering, like Pokemon, and, man, probably some others that I'm forgetting about. Uh, what's the- what's that one game? Is it called Gloom? Oh, Is there I a, don't, is there a I game called remember. Gloom? Jessica and I own a card-based game. Gloom card- Yeah, it is called Gloom. Yep. Gloom card game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we own that. We've only played it, I think, once or twice but we do own it.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I love card tabletop games. I think the great, I guess, I don't know if it's a robbery or whatever you want to call it, but I feel like Magic the Gathering, the, the lore, the mechanics of the game itself would make for a fabulous MMORPG. Um, just really has the foundations to really just create this expansive world that you can explore and see. And I tell you, I drive by Wizards of the Coast because their headquarters is up here. I, I've driven by there and I just look at the building and wonder like, you guys are sitting on gold. Why aren't you doing something with it? But yeah, absolutely love those games. Speaking of, um, speaking
0: of Wizards of the Coast... I, I know you had mentioned that there's uh, a local comic shop that you drive by and, and they probably do like, cause I know a lot of like comic shops do magic tournaments and that kind of stuff inside.
1: Yeah, dude. So here's the deal. I actually came up in Vegas. Um, we would go to the Galleria mall. If anyone in Vegas is listening and you're familiar back in the day, like, uh, you know, I want to say like 2000, maybe like three. Right. Yeah. In that that's range. a little, a
0: little before the time that I arrived in Vegas. I made my grand yeah. arrival back in 2005. They, they, I part of the desert man, and they just welcomed me with shining lights, and it, it was like the, you know, I don't know, I'm just making things up now.
1: <laughs> yeah, the guys, the guys on the strip all flicked their cards towards you and everything, right? You yeah, know, man, I got so many wagon. porn cards that day. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? There was this. Um, There were a couple different spots in Vegas that we could go to and play Magic, and it wasn't, like, tournament play, per se. There were certain cards that were banned, but you could pretty much play any edition back then. They didn't have, like, the Planeswalkers or anything back then. It was mostly just, like you couldn't place like a handful of cards at the shops we went to there was there was a couple there was one that was like trop and freaking Pecos or something like that and then there was the gallery of mall which we thought was insane because I mean you go to the mall and there's cool people there and girls and food court so we're in right and I remember we would go to this store I can't remember what it's called Kyle could tell you um, and, and Kyle reach just, out let us know just holler man but um, we would play in this like it's a, it's a mall it's a storefront I mean there was windows and everything you could see people walking by and I thought I don't care who effing sees me in here because this is great like it was just so magical to go in there and whip your, your deck out and you know just play with people and you know really the coolest part about tabletop gaming is experiencing it with other people and building connections and it was just so cool to go in there because it was kind of really competitive you know what I mean you, you, you go in there and you just wonder like oh I could take that guy like I, I know what decks he's slinging I, I could take that dude and, and fast forward now you brought up the, the shop over here in Washington, I, I'm afraid to go in there because I think I'm gonna be the old guy now. You know, like there's so many new young bucks on the scene, and that the rules of the games have changed quite a bit. And isn't that unfortunate, though, that like you, you don't really age out of it
0: because you still enjoy it, but you you feel kind of weird going into a setting like that. W- yeah, when, I don't want to be the old guy. And we're not even old, old, Sean. We're not even we're not even old. We're in our early thirties. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no, it's it's insane, dude. I I'm telling you right now, like I. I I don't feel old, but sometimes when I go to places like that and I see all these young dudes in there, I'm like, man, like you, they think we're old and that's shitty.
0: Like, yeah, I, I never thought, and maybe it's just, you know, the generational differences, but back when I was like a teenager or in my early twenties, I didn't think of thirties and forties as old. Now people just think you're freaking ancient if you're in your thirties and forties and it's unfortunate.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, dude, if your hairline recedes. Don't go in there. Like, I'm telling you, Dave, look at you like you freaking stepped off a spaceship. Like, who the freak is this old dude? I will tell you, people like Kyle can get away with it. Kyle Kyle looks like he's 25. Oh, yeah. You know, I just, I eat like crap. My hair's gone. You know? (laughs) If you look at a doctor's chart at the clinic, I'm technically obese, but I don't feel like it. You know, it's just... (laughs) It's, it's a rough world out there for a mid-30s guy in a comic book store if they're slinging cards. But I will tell you, if you find the right place, oh my gosh, it's such a great atmosphere, dude. You, you walk in there and you just feel like, man, welcome home. You know what I mean? Like it's just this warm blanket of Axe Body Spray and McDonald's wrapped around you and, you, and you're fine. <laughs> <it. laughs>
0: we actually have two places like that near us. Uh, We we have one that's called the Molten Meeple, and it's a really cool, like, board game pub. You know, they they sell food, but they also sell drinks as well, and you could rent it by the table, and they have, you know, just so many thousands upon thousands of different tabletop games that you can go in there and play. Uh, a really so cool. cool place. A really cool place. And then a buddy of mine uh, who I don't see that often, but I used to do some content with him back in the day uh, on the side when we were uh, messing around with some super gen stuff for those that have been around for the for the long haul. Uh, so, him and his brother just opened up a new uh, board game tavern in an old bowling alley right down the street. And they converted it into like a restaurant that's, you know, they have food, they have a bar, but they also have I think they have over 5000 games there Plus they're doing bowling and dude, it's, it's so cool. Like some of these places, like you said, if you find the right one, there's some great atmospheres out there. And, and I highly encourage everyone to check out some local board game and support local board game taverns and pubs because they're such cool places
1: they're they're a dying breed man they they really are and it's it's a shame to watch them go because the core of games that we're talking about today is community right even even the ones you play online there's a community that you can play in and of course there's single player games that we're going to talk about too but i feel like those experiences are really meant to prime your pumps to want you to do more and and I I don't know if I can prove that per se, but for me personally, that's how I feel. Like I play a single player game, I immediately want to experience something like that with my buddies. Like, even if you talk about games that are inspired from the genre like Elder Scrolls, okay? Yeah,
0: another one inspired by tabletop classics, for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, those games I think are great standalone stories, absolutely. But all they make me want to do is go do other stuff. I don't know. The, the core of what I'm saying is that all these games are meant to inspire people to experience things with others. And those those places are the epitome of that, where you can go and kind of congregate and, and enjoy these experiences together. And yeah, you know, they might be a little nerdy or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're having fun, who cares? Ner- nerdy's cool these days. Back when we were coming up and doing this, not so much. Not so much. Know? Not no. so much. Like <laughs> I said, man, we just, we, like I said, we we were ahead of the curve. We, we just guess. were there
0: too soon. We were there too soon. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is. I do want to jump to our next block of music here, though. We're going to take a listen to a few more things from a few different games, and then Sean and I will be right back. You're listening to Legendary Asia from Ticket to Ride, originally released back in 2013, with the composer being unknown by us at the time of publishing. everybody it's kyle from the media files and if you don't know what the media files is what are you even doing the media files is a pop culture review to help you get through those boring water cooler conversations every episode a special guest and i will be talking about something happening in pop culture whether it's movies television music books sports video games you name it we'll talk about it subscribe to the media files on spotify apple or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you there You're listening to Gruul's Theme from Magic the Gathering Arena, originally released on September 26th, 2019, and this, too, has an unknown composer to us at the time of publishing. You're listening to The Fall of Cedar Leaf from Forgotten Realms Demon Stone, originally released on September 14th, 2004, composed by Rob Mills. first track that we heard in that last block was titled Legendary Asia from Ticket to Ride. And Ticket (laughs) to Ride is a game that I know you absolutely love.
1: Yes. And and you know what's funny is I enjoy Ticket to Ride Tabletop, no question. But I'm glad that we put this track in there because there is a slew of games coming out on Switch, iOS, that are board games or tabletop games, just electronic. Are you playing this on Switch or are you playing this on your phone? So I play play Ticket to Ride on my phone and I play with my wife. Uh, Carcassonne is on the Switch, which oh, is okay. another one I love. Okay, um, cool. You can get like a fellow on the Switch. There's, of course, the the Tabletop Classics one. Yeah, the
0: 51 games or whatever right. that just came out. That's dude. Super popular. That thing sold over a million copies already. Like, people are really enjoying it. We love it. And my favorite one on there, I have two. It's darts and Wait, Blackjack. do you have it? I have it, yeah. Okay, nice. I thought about picking it up. I didn't know you actually committed and bought it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I play with my wife and we have fun. And it's a game where, you know, you can dip in for a couple minutes and uh, just enjoy yourself. And, and, you know, it's it serves the conversation well. Like, we're talking about playing these these games that people often wouldn't consider tabletop gaming. But it is. Like you know, it board games are tabletop gaming and some of the games that have come and been inspired by board games really are fun and exciting and I mean you can play Ticket to Ride on your phone Carcassonne's on the Switch which is a phenomenal game I love Carcassonne uh, it has a huge following too tournaments and the like it you can does look it, up on it really
0: does yeah it really does
1: there's a there's a couple games put out here I'm actually uh, Splendor is another one that we love I have that app as well I hear you on I hear you phone. looking and reaching for stuff over yeah. there <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are the names of these
0: games over here <laughs>
1: There's a there's a game that even my rabbit loves to chew on the box. It's such a good game. It's called Stone Age. Oh, and nice! That's an awesome game too. Anything with stone in it, I love getting stoned. Oh, of course, man! I don't even have the soundboard <laughs> up. I can't, can't freaking play anything. Smoke weed every day. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but those games are so fun, man! Like, do you ever get a chance to play games like that? And. I know you I and Jessica don't really sometimes. get
0: to play a lot on like mobile or like consoles. Probably the extent of my console board gaming generally lies within Monopoly. Jessica is yeah. a big fan of Monopoly. She loves Monopoly. It's one of her favorite board games and really could probably play that all the time. Um, but she also loves the console ports of Monopoly. We actually have it on several different consoles because, you know, a lot of times it's a different version of Monopoly or slightly different gameplay or different mechanics sure. or whatever. So generally when they put out Monopoly on a on a platform, we pick it up. And it's like Madden. Yeah. You've you got to always get it. Got to get the new Monopoly.
1: <laughs> it's her Madden. That's it, baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we... Um, In terms of like actual physical board games, we have an entire room upstairs that is filled with man. We don't have a giant collection, but we have a pretty decent sized collection of of board games and tabletop games. And the unfortunate thing about us is that we'll buy these games a lot of times for each other for like gifts and that kind of stuff. And then we'll play it and then just forget about it. And then, like, maybe if we're lucky in like a year or two, we'll go back. Oh, wow. Do we ever play this? I think we did once. Let's check it out again. That's kind of like how we tabletop. So we're besides a few different games. We do play a lot of things for the first time and then kind of move on. And then maybe we'll go back to it later. Like there's one called Labyrinth and it's actually like a board game. And I bought it for Jessica for Christmas a couple years ago. That's something that I don't know if you've ever played that, but you're moving through like a forest and you're finding different treasures and that kind of stuff. And it's basically a memory game, but it's not challenging. It's meant for family game nights and that kind of stuff. But her and I play it a lot together and and we play it with her parents. And it's just something that, you know, we can always throw down with because the games are quick. Same thing with um, the tile flipping island games as forgotten islands. Are, I don't know the exact name of it, but they're ones where you're like flipping the tiles back and forth and uncovering parts of the island and then sinking parts of the island. Um,
2: we oh, play those gotcha. games a lot.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I, I, do you know what I'm trying to describe there? I, I don't remember the name. Is it forgotten island? It might be forgotten island. Forgotten island. It's not Forgotten island board game. Forbidden Island. Forbidden, Forbidden Island. Island. Is the name of it. Yeah, there you yep. go. Forbidden Island. A, that's the name of it.
1: I've never played it, but I want to try it. I am a I'm a big Z-Man games guy. That's who, that's what I was talking about. Make Stone Age. Um, They also make Pandemic, which I know you and I have talked Ooh, about.
0: Pandemic is a good game. Yeah, that's something else that uh, yeah. we've played several times. We, we love Pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a, a mobile
1: version or maybe even a console version of that game, too. Possibly, possibly. And that, that brings us back to why we started talking about this stuff. The mobile and console version versions of these board games, they actually do them a lot of justice. It's it's not a crappy deal. Like you can buy those games. They put work into them. They are really good and the multiplayer is really good on them too. And I just love the experience of being able to play a game and not have to tally up my own score and you play with people and they don't have to pull crap like the rules are built in. It's kind of nice, you know? (laughs) As funny as that sounds. I think as I'm like again, we're
0: not old, but as we're moving into like our thirties and and really just like settling in. I kind of want to start getting back into some tabletop gaming on a pretty regular basis. Jessica and I are currently in the early stages of house hunting. We are planning on moving next year. And we've been kind of discussing some things that we want to do when we get our own place again. And one of the things that we want to do is really get back into board games and tabletop games and, you know, have like a family game night every so often, but really just have nights where her and I sit down and, and throw down on some of these games that can be done with, you know, two people. And a lot of times we like playing the competitive game, or not competitive, uh, cooperative-based games where we work together to, you know... Solve something or do something like Forbidden I agree. Island,
1: yeah, and, and you know what? That's that's what it's all about, right? Like grown grown people talk right now. When you get your own place or when you buy a house or whatever, you're immediately thinking like, okay, how, when how am I going to invite people over? When when am I going to have people over? Where can I have the games? How can I make this like fun and host people? And that's what tabletop gaming is all about, dude. That's we talked about it earlier in the show. Is building that camaraderie with a group of people and just enjoying something that's not everyday life. Yeah, whether that's yeah whether that's a game of Monopoly or you know deeper into like D&D in the end that's what it's all about is enjoying that relationship and connection with people over something that is uniform and you can bond and enjoy equally and that sounds awesome dude family game night super fun the only hard part about board games is, is that's it some of them are a commitment man they, they cost as much as video games some of them know? are and, very very pricey yes yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: you gotta respect that dude like it you put it in you put it away nice and everything, you know. <laughs> I keep a I keep a wish list on
0: Amazon where I tag like board games that I'll come across and see, and you know I I look around on different like Board Game Geek and different websites at things, and dude, some of the pricing on these is just absolutely insane. But I mean, they're worth it. They are, you know, they have a lot of intricate pieces and details, and I mean, they they charge what the what the content is worth.
1: So I'm glad we touched on that because. If you find the right game, people are willing to shell out serious dough for that. Like, people's D&D stuff... People's D&D collections, they got expensive dice. They got cool avatars, maps. They got, uh, they, they've they got all the, the rule books, hardcover, you know, like everything. They got it all, man. And, and it's it's something if you really get into, it's worth the money, in my opinion. I, I haven't found the ability to do that, like whether it's knowing the right people or being in the right place. But uh, I would love that. I think if you can nail that, you absolutely should because it's an experience that you can't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think next time we have you back, Sean, we're going to have to, because hopefully by then we'll have played some Divinity Original Sin 2. We're going to have to follow up on some of this stuff because... I'm hoping we can actually get into some some tabletop and board gaming here more at Level Down Games, because it is something that I enjoy talking about. It's something obviously, you know, there's even within video games, there's so many different games based on it as we as we see here on the episode today, as we've talked about, and it is something that I hope we can continue doing.
1: It is. Dude, we need to. We need to. I know that Kyle has it. He'd probably play. Uh, good luck getting Dan, because there's no looter shooter going on in there. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's loot, but, I mean, it'd probably put Put him to sleep too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So does breathing. So, I mean,
0: yeah, the, that's deck, true. Is, that's the true. deck is really the deck stacked, deck is stacked against, against, against Dan. <laughs> Sean, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. I'm glad you were able to join me on this episode and chat about some tabletop gaming and listen to some excellent music while we did so. It's been fun. Yeah, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast.
0: Yeah. We'll have you back soon. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, before we close out this episode, we're going to take a listen to another block of tracks And then I will be right back. You're listening to the main theme from Vampires, the Masquerade Bloodlines, originally released on November 16th, 2004, composed by Rick Schaefer. You're listening to the Nauru Marches from Pathfinder Kingmaker, originally released on September 25th, 2018, composed by Anand Zer and Dimitri Salantiev. are listening to the main theme from boulders gate 2 originally released on september 21st 2000 composed by michael honig Thanks so much to Sean for sitting in on the episode, listening to some incredible music, and reminiscing on some great tabletop memories, including some more recent ones. With more and more great tabletop games being ported to home consoles and mobile devices recently, it honestly is a great time to try out new things and check out some classic games that you may or may not have ever heard of. I honestly really do want to make it a goal in 2021, next year, when we officially purchase our new home, Jessica and I, to sit down with her way more often than we do now and get lost in the magic of some great tabletop adventures. But that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Don't forget to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to BG Mania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you can drop on over to our YouTube channel, that's youtube.com forward slash games, Subscribe to us there. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv forward slash games, Click that follow button. I mentioned it earlier on in the show, but that new PC is arriving really, really, really soon. It's been over a month. <laughs> Crazy to think about. But uh, when we do get that, I will be on Twitch pretty, pretty regularly streaming some stuff. So check it out if you don't already. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be the place to do so. Check that description box for the appropriate links. And of course, in that description box, you will find a link to our Discord server. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Next week on the show, we're taking a trip all the way back to the days of our childhood and listening to some tracks from games that many of us as kids used to play all the freaking time to help out during our early educations. Taking us out of this episode, we're going to be taking a listen to At the Beginning from Solasta, Crown of the Magister, which actually isn't released yet, but recently had a hugely successful Kickstarter campaign. This is composed by Maxime Hervé. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.